Hey everyone, this is Jim from www.faithtestedbyfire.com and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Well, let me start by saying that I apologize for the audio volume last week. Um, As you can tell, clarity is much different this week. Uh, Although my microphone was plugged in, I had it on a wrong setting, and so it was, in effect, not working. And so my voice was being picked up by a low-grade microphone as compared to this one. And I did my best to get the volume up there so you could understand what I'm saying, because what I was saying last week came 100% from the heart. And not, not that it isn't coming from the heart this week or hasn't come from the heart in previous weeks, but it was just one of those times where I felt like what I had to say was was for someone special out there that really needed to hear those words. And it's no different this week or any other week because you never know who is listening and God uses whoever he wants to use to get his um, thoughts across to somebody to, to confirm a lot of times it's confirmation. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it also says that God has set some aside to teach others. But at the end of the day, you compare that to another scripture where it says that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside and we have no need that any man should teach you. So how do you resolve those two things? Well, very simple. You don't have to rely on a man. The only person you're supposed to rely on is the spirit because man is fallible and sometimes a person will mix their own thoughts in or their own ideas and those ideas may not be 100% accurate. So we do the best that we can with what God's given us both in internal gifts and external abilities and gifts and we sow the seeds. Now I was thinking about this this week especially um, when, when I was a teenager, I remember looking forward to the life that I had ahead of me, and I was a believer, a nominal believer. I, I believed in Jesus, that he was the Son of God. Um, I believed in a historical Jesus, and I believed in God, but I really didn't have uh, the knowledge because I didn't really read the Bible. Okay, I didn't read the Bible at all. Maybe I read a verse here or there. But then, in my late teens, that changed. And I read the whole New Testament for the first time, and I started to see differences between what the New Testament said and what my church taught. And so at that time, I decided to make a break from the traditional church that I was a part of, and find a church that was closer to preaching what the Bible said. So there are no perfect churches because there are no perfect people here on the earth. Everyone's fallible. Everyone misses it. But that's really not the point. The point is is that when you come to certain realizations, you may call them, uh, you have a revelation. You have certain insights into something that thing was there the whole time, you just didn't recognize it. 
Has that ever happened to you in life where you just suddenly have, uh, I'm not even talking about spiritual things, right? I'm just talking about natural things where you have an insight into something that wasn't there before and it changes things, the insight that you have. Maybe it's into a situation or a problem and you get a revelation of how things work. Well, I had one of those happen the other day because as as a young person, I believed I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not young either. Young, young, young. Uh, call me middle-aged. That, that makes me feel a little better, I guess. So, you know, I looked in terms of it's my life, it's my decisions, it's my experiences. That's what I was building around. It's what, what I want to do with my life. And I looked at it as a gift from God. God's given me a life. He's given me the ability to make choices. Um, he has given me the ability to accomplish things. And he knows that when I accomplish something, I'm going to feel good. When I use my gifts, then I'm doing part of what I'm here to do. I believe that everybody, all things being equal, has the solution to someone else's problem. Or more directly, everyone is the solution to someone else's problem, even if that problem is just loneliness. You know, you can be that solution, God's solution for that person. You're keeping them company. Sometimes we don't always like (laughs) the company that we keep, but sometimes you don't have as much choice, so you have to live peaceably with people with all that with all that is within you. And that's what the Bible says, as much as, as is within you, within your ability to do, live peaceably with all men. So as time went on, you know, I started to see other things in life that made me realize that some of the things that were important to me in, that, in hindsight suddenly weren't that important. Or I put a lot of value on certain things, and the older that I got, I could see that that value wasn't there. For example, let's say you're 30, 40, 50, or 60, okay? And you're looking at somebody who is, let's say, 15 or 16. Maybe they value getting a car for the first time, you know? And you could tell them something like about the book of Revelation and and the judgment and all that, and maybe even make a comment that, hey, you know, maybe we'll never live our lifetime out. Maybe all of this, this story ends here in your lifetime, you know? And a younger person might say, well, I don't want Jesus to come until I, I, I'm able to have my first car. Or I don't, I hope that Jesus tarries long enough for me to find that special someone and get married. Or I hope it tarries long, Jesus tarries long enough, the end tarries long enough so that I can start a family. You know, there's a lot of things that are important to us. Then down the line, after you've had those things, looking back, you see maybe them from a different perspective. Okay, you see them from a totally different perspective, right? Because the value that we place on those things now is is quite different. We, when you are younger, and I know I can't make a blanket statement for everybody, in all situations, in all things. I'm just making a statement for me in general and other people that are in similar situations. You value things a little bit more. You value them more 
than you do than you do at this time. In other words, you you've come to the place where you realize that things don't bring happiness. Now, yeah, if you have a leaky faucet and you replace it with a new faucet, it makes you happy because the leak is fixed. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm not talking about, you know, your car backfiring down the street and, and leaving blobs of oil on the uh, asphalt and then replacing it with a car that does. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about things in general where the, the real peace in your heart is, where the real, um, the special moments, they're, they're not, it's not the things, it's the people, right? It's not just the place, it's the people and the times that you shared with those people. And so God created us in such a way that we need one another and that we get more when we're around one another because there's pieces of him in each of his people. And there's that element of love, right? The Bible says faith works by love. goes on even further to say God is love, that that, that thing, that, that love force, when we're around it, it does something to us. It imparts something to us that nothing else can impart. In other words, that, that love, that transfer, giving it and receiving it, there, there's no uh, place that you can go that can substitute for that. There's no restaurant that you can eat at. There's nothing that you can purchase. There's no position that you can attain. Because without that love component, all we're left with is loneliness, so we have the things, but the things can't satisfy that. It's, it's kind of like um, having all the food you need, but you don't have anything to drink. There's no water, right? You need both. One can't substitute for the other, all, all things being equal. That's probably not the most accurate illustration I can give, but it's the one that came into my mind as I was speaking. And so I was thinking about this world and what's truly valuable, and what's truly important, and it's the people. So this last week we saw that tremendous uh, flooding in Texas, and people's lives were lost, and I saw this picture of these elderly people in a living assisted center, and they were up to their waists in water, and they couldn't move. They were too old to climb, and they were just they are dependent on somebody else to help them. And I started thinking that, you know, that was somebody's mother, somebody's brother, somebody's grandparent, somebody's parent. And in the midst of all that, the only thing that would, was important would be the people. Think about that. It's the people that are important, not the things. The things can be replaced. I'm not minimizing losing items that you value and that you treasure. But usually you value and you treasure the item because of some meaning it has beyond what it does. So in other words, if someone leaves you something, even if that something isn't worth a lot of money, it's worth more than the money because it's the person that gave it to you. It's a connection you have to that person who may no longer be here, physically present with you. And so it all goes back to the people again. And so... I'm thinking these thoughts, and I'm thinking about our place here on the earth, and it, and it hits me like a revelation that God put us into this 
Earth for multiple reasons, not the least of which the Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We are the bright city on the hill. We are, the, we are lights in this world. That's what he calls us. And when you realize, when you read the whole Bible and you read the stories and you read everything, it all leads to one final point. It leads to a point where every human being will stand before God and give an account. It's a time of judgment. And when I look at that, I mean, it's a terrifying time for those who never received God's free gift of forgiveness. Those who are unforgiven, the Bible says, the Bible calls these type of people those who die in their sins. Everybody dies. The Bible says it's appointed to man once to die, and then, and then, in other words, or next, the judgment. So a person either dies in their sins or they don't. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were going to die in their sins. And so the judgment is whether or not the next part of the journey happens in the presence of God as you enter into eternity or in a place the Bible says was created for Satan and his angels. It wasn't created for man. It was created for Satan and his angels. And in that place, and it lists all the people who died in their sins, and actually names what those sins are. And every human being who ever lived can identify with some of those things, because we've all done them. And so the Bible says, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. And so I thought of the war that goes on in our day-to-day -day lives. When you look at what you see in the media, as you hear the things that are being said, you can tell what spirit is motivating those people. There are people that say they're motivated by love, but you can see by their actions that that's not love. Even a blind person can see that. Because people aren't known by their words, they're known by their fruits. That's how Jesus said to judge a person. How to judge righteously, you judge by the fruit. You judge a tree by its fruit. So the Bible says when you judge, judge righteous judgment. The Bible doesn't say not to judge. It says by the measure that you judge, you'll, you'll be judged. So judge righteously. So I don't know what's in your heart, just like you don't know what's in my heart. We don't know what's in the heart of the person giving the news or writing the column or anything. And we don't know where they're going to be days, weeks, and months down the road. We don't know any of those things, so we can't make judgment calls on that which we don't know or not aware of. But we can make judgment calls on their actions and on what they do. And the rest is in God's hands. Right? Because the Bible says that if, if someone has a fault against you, if a brother has a fault against you, go and make it right. If, and if he doesn't hear you, and it gives steps about bringing another person to go to that person. In other words, you make things right with people if you can. But if you can't, then a separation occurs. They go their way and you go yours. But you make the effort. And so I started thinking 
about a scene entered my mind, like helicopters and soldiers being led down on the lines. You ever see that on TV where they, they, the soldiers very quickly come down on this line and then they, let, they get down on the ground and then they pull the line up and the soldiers run on to continue the mission and the helicopters fly away? And then there's a, a rendezvous point somewhere sometime, sometime down the road, days, weeks, months, or, or whatever after the mission's complete. But they're down there, they're, they're boots on the ground. And sometimes I look at how God sees what's happening here from his vantage point. Because he sees the most important thing right from the beginning, and we don't. We see what we're going to do with our lives, what career choices we're going to make what relationships we're going to have, where we're going to live, what we're going to eat, the clothes we're going to wear. We see all these minor things. You don't see the judgment, and even if you do see it, you see it as an event that's so far down the line because everybody, most well, not everybody, but most people assume that they're going to live a long life, at least when they're younger. And if you're a little bit older now, you can see that there's some people that are no longer here that used to be. And their time has ended. So we don't know. Again, it's appointed, the Bible says, to man once to die. And the Bible calls death an enemy. And so we are in a world that is run according to, uh, let me look this up quickly, make sure I have the right Corinthians. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. This is the scripture that says that Satan is the god of this world. So... When a human being comes into this world, they're coming into a world that the God of heaven isn't running. Right? And, and if you want to know how that works, there's a very easy way to do it. The Bible talks about two atoms and that God gave authority to man, physical man, to have authority on the earth. He said to subdue everything that he created, be fruitful, multiply, give you authority over all the earth. So it's like God created the building and then he, sub, he leased it to man. Then man sinned. He fell, broke the connection with God, and basically opened the door for Satan to come in to the world. So God sent another Adam. That's what the Bible calls Jesus, the second Adam. He came, and being a physical man, he had the same authority that the first Adam had because he was a man, but he didn't have the, the sin strain, so to speak. He walked the walk. He faced the same temptations, but instead of falling, he resisted. And so he inherited what the Bible calls a, a more excellent name. Now here's a scripture. This is quoted from the book of Psalms. Hold on a second. Okay, Hebrews 10, chapter 5 is a quote from a prophetic word from Psalm 46. And what that means is, this is Jesus talking. This is the Holy Spirit talking, prophesying about Jesus coming, the Messiah, in the book of Psalms. Psalm 40, we'll read it. I'll, I'll read it there first. Psalm number 40, verse number 6, it says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears hast thou opened. Let me read it from the American King James. Psalm 
Again, this is the American King James. Psalm 40, verse 6, it says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears have you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering have you not required. Then said I, See, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do of your will, O oh my God. Yes, your law is written in my heart. Now as we skip over, into the New Testament, it says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Now he's going to re repeat part of the psalm. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Let me read that again. Then when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Why did God prepare a body, a physical flesh and blood machine for his son? Because from the beginning, he set up this whole earth system that man would have the authority. Man would be the door, so to speak, into this earth. And so think about it. God prepared a body for Jesus. So Jesus existed before he had a physical body. He was with God from the beginning. Now, based on this, some people have come to the conclusion that we were also with God before in a different form than we are now, as, as spirit beings, creatures, so to speak. And that he prepared bodies for us. So you were assigned to the family that you're in. You're, you were, you're born into this body. Now, the, the body may not be perfect. None of our physical bodies are, are perfect. Because, again, we're born into a, a, a battlefield, we're born into a place that's filled with struggle. We're not, our, our reason here is for us to grow up, discover our purpose that God ordained before we were born, and to be the solution to someone else's problem and to help save those who are lost. So God has a plan for his people that goes well beyond what you do for a living, that goes well beyond your dreams and desires. And I'm not trying to belittle any of those things. I'm just trying to say that in the end, when we've left this place, we're going to look at the t things that we invested time, time in potentially and what we thought were important. And they're going to seem ridiculous, just like when we look back to maybe when we were children, the things that we thought important, the things that we invested our time in weren't that important at all. Because when you grow up, you change, you develop. You understand things from a different perspective. That doesn't mean you lose your, your ability to play, your ability to have fun, your ability to laugh. All of these things are important. But as problems increase, and as we look at what's happening to the world around us, and we look at what the Bible says the end will be like, it's impossible not to see the correlation that in the last time the love of many will wax cold. That people will reverse the definitions they will call good evil and evil good. We see it happening right now. I don't have to go into the details. You know as well as I do, it's happening all around us. And it's happening with intense frequency. The Bible calls the end. It likens it to a woman travailing when she's getting ready to give birth. The closer it gets to the time when the child comes into the world, what happens? The contractions get closer and closer together. And what we see happening in the earth, even among the creation, is the contractions are getting closer and closer together. 
Bible says flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because it's 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 not the flesh and blood the way God designed it to be. It's it's a fallen creation. Right? So that's why the Bible says that you'll have a new body when you get there, not a flesh and blood body. Sometimes I think what it you look back in those Old Testament scriptures when you know the thunder, the lightning, and the mountains were shaking when God comes down. You know, I think it's because this physical earth, the, this world, this this creation, in its imperfect state, isn't able to hold somebody that has that kind of of power without suffering consequence for it. I mean, it's like trying to to catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak. But anyway, not not to get too tied up in that. What I'm trying to say is we're here on a rescue mission. So we have free will. We're able to make choices. We're able to choose. But in the midst of all of that, there are connections taking place day in and day out. And you have to realize that there are some divine appointments happening. There are some things that God is doing and we're involved in. We don't even realize the magnitude of what it is. Because the most important thing to him is the salvation of an individual soul. And that's why Jesus came, suffered the way he did, but overcame death. And now the choice is ours. And the Old Testament's put this way. I set before you blessing and cursing life and death, therefore choose life. And so we're not living in a time where people haven't heard this message before. Matter of fact, the, the message has been changed in such a way that it makes it look like the, the message of, of what the Bible says is just a fairy tale. You know, so you hear people say, oh, there's so many different translations. Nobody can agree with uh, what the Bible says. It all depends and, and, you know, you can ask somebody, well, which translation exactly and what words are the words that confuse you personally? You know, most of the time people can't tell you because they never even read it. Or somebody says, well, you know, that that's just religion. I have no interest in religion. Well, Jesus didn't come to bring new religion. He actually did away with the religion they had at the time. Did you ever really read what he said? Did you ever listen to his words? Or are you just going by what somebody else said? And, and, and this can go on and on and on and on. So anyway, now I look at my life and I look what I'm involved in and I see it from a different perspective. I'm sharing this with you today to give you something to chew on, give you something to think about. Maybe you've had this realization recently in a new, fresh way. Maybe you haven't. But I want to put it out there uh, to you is that, yeah, there's things that we do. We have careers, businesses, we work jobs, and they bring with it all kinds of, of responsibilities and things to do. But that's just the top layer of our lives. There's a deeper layer beneath that. And, these, and that layer involves the actual personalities and the people that we connect with on a daily basis. Some of those people... Their days may be numbered. I, you know, I hate to say it, but all of our days are numbered. But those, they may have less numbers 
left for them than you do. And so if there is a time to sow a good seed, if there's a time to do a loving thing, if there's a time to offer forgiveness, if there's a time that's to say what needs to be said, it's now. Because we have now, but there is no guarantee for tomorrow. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So when the opportunity presents itself, do what you're here to do. Make a difference. Help change someone's life. And don't be ashamed to share that the simple gospel message with somebody that God offers forgiveness. You, you put your faith in Jesus, ask God to forgive you of your sins, put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. I mean, how difficult do you need to boil it down or, or how, many time, how many ways do you really need to phrase it? The point is, is that if God's working on that person's heart, they'll be open to receive it. And if not, it doesn't matter how intellectual you are, doesn't make how many stories you tell, how convincing their heart, if their heart is hard, they're not going to hear you. You know, when people walked away from Jesus, he didn't say, wait a minute, why are you walking away? Didn't you understand what I just finished saying? He didn't go after anybody. He didn't plead or beg anybody because he knew that the whole thing came down to the individual's heart and whether or not they were open enough to receive it. Once Jesus said something that offended a lot of people, <laughs> he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And some people res responded, this man is mad. Uh, you know, who can receive this saying? And the people that believed in him, they, they kind of stepped back for a moment. And it says from that time, many people didn't follow him anymore. Right, And then when he asked the disciples, are you going to leave me too? What did they respond? Where, where are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. So it's almost like saying, I don't know what you meant by what you just said. But I'm not going to walk away because I, I, I'm lacking understanding. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit because you said something that is so is beyond me. Because if you know the person, and I said this the last time, if you know the person, then you're in a completely different spot than if you don't know the person. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of, of a stranger they will not follow. So even though the sheep may not understand what the, what the shepherd said, they still know it's the shepherd. In case you didn't hear it, let me just throw it out there to you. You take the person that you love and know the best in your life or the, the couple, whatever, and you suddenly they're accused of a heinous crime. And you hear for the first time that they did something that is totally, in your mind, it's impossible. They could never do it. And then the person who's giving you the news says, yeah, there was a witness. What would your first response be? Your response would be, well, I don't care if there's 100 witnesses because they're not gonna, you, you're not going to tell me that my brother or my sister or my husband or my wife or my parents or my grandparents could be capable of doing that type of crime. So if there's, a, if there's an eyewitness, then you have a liar on your hands. Well, that's the same way when it comes to a person that's connected with God. You're not going to accuse God of being evil. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care who said what. I don't care who prayed what. God isn't in the business of killing and destroying people. 
Yes, there absolutely is a judgment, and we absolutely all face it. But God's not unrighteous. Everybody will have the opportunity to receive that free gift of forgiveness. And no one's going to convince me otherwise, and hopefully you can say the same thing too. Okay, that's all I have for you today. This is Jim. Thanks for listening. If you haven't been by the website, I haven't added very many articles in a while. Mainly it's me doing the podcast now, but I will write, do some writing and put it up there um, uh, in the months ahead, Lord willing. But thank you for listening. If you go to the site, if you want to be updated every time a new podcast is released, just sign up for the list there, and I will send you an email every time a new podcast is available. Or you can connect through iTunes or whatever type of podcast service you use. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. This is Jim. Have a great day, and I'll see you the next time.